This is Mystic Takeaway, dishing up extraordinary real-life stories to inspire wonder and nourish the soul. I'm Elisa Graff. Today's episode features Cosme Lantigua of Washington, D.C., who shares the details of several meaningful encounters he had in Puerto Rico. Good to have you with us. I'd like to give a warm welcome to my guest, Cosme Lantigua. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Cosme. Of course, my name is Cosme Lantigua. I'm Dominican, raised in Puerto Rico. I lived the first 10 years of my life in Dominican Republic. And then we moved to Puerto Rico when I was 10 years old. And since then, I, I grew up, did, you know, the last part of elementary sixth grade. Um, middle school, high school, college, everything. I'm basically half and half and half. <laughs> yeah. And you've lived for a while in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, I lived since 2012. Since okay. 2012, I went through an internship for a whole month based in education. And because I'm a teacher, I'm teaching for 16 years, physical education and health. And I got the opportunity to do an internship in, in Washington, D.C., learning about education policies a charter versus public versus private all this like world and universe of, of education which is uh it's like a like a pot in dc because you have all these mixes of education philosophies in such a small district so you have plenty to see plenty to to learn as well so i, I got an interview with mundo verde which is a they charter school based on sustainability and and and, and bilingualism yeah yeah exactly yeah. and um, so yeah based on of course spanish and, and, and english so i was teaching there my first year in dc nice in spanish for students who wants to learn spanish yeah. that's great so you must enjoy your work a lot you work with a lot of young people i mean i suppose it's been hard during lockdown but now you're back in school again since last week actually yeah. Wow. Um, in this phase, I'm teaching swimming now for um, third graders, especially mostly, let's say, African-Americans and Latinos, which comprehends the 78% of youth who don't know how to swim. Oh, wow. So, yeah, six to seven out of 10 kids will go through a harsh experience in the water and actually suffers from drowning. That wow. Those cultural backgrounds, I need to say, and the the DCPS, District of Columbia Public Schools, is doing a, a, an awesome job in creating a, a program that will teach them how to swim. And not only that, to introduce social-emotional learning. So there I have the opportunity to do a little bit of meditation, a little bit of, a little bit of breathing techniques, yeah, in the beginning, oh. in the middle of the class, at the end, yeah. No so, kidding. Um, yeah, we can deviate tensions and anxiety and, 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 and fear. That's fantastic. Wow. How many kids do you have in your swimming class? Uh, based on a year, it'll be 1,400 students or so. Okay. And it's a year-long program? A year-long program, nine schools per semester. Wow. So we're reaching out plenty of schools. That's yeah. really great. So yeah. Well, first of all, I want to I wanna thank you for this because the, these are intimate stories that I have that I shared with a small group of people. And, and I have to say a common situation 
it's when uh, the person brought the subject uh, and then I sort of gave them a fact based on my story, but especially being honest on the description of the story. And then at the end, it's pretty hard because you, you, want, to, you want to feel that they grasp a little bit of your truth, but there is when you have to practice attachment and then just leave your experience as another sign for them to become a true seeker. I don't like to express this past experiences because everybody has their own pathway, right? That's right. Exactly. So to me, they came in points like that I needed the most and, and I focus on those three. So I can share with you. I have, I have plenty. I understand. I believe you do. I think that I think these are universal, largely very important to remember that everybody has experiences. Some people are more perceptive mm-hmm. and more intuitive and are sort of primed to recognize things yeah. in life. And meditation, obviously, is a helpful tool in that sense. It seems to sharpen the intuition. That's been my experience. And we both have the same form of meditation that we do. So we both are familiar with that. Yeah. So anyway, you just launch when you're ready. Okay. (laughs) The first one was, I was living in Miami. I, I moved to that place from Boston after doing four years of community organizing but I was feeling kind of empty on the relationship piece, right? I remember that I had a relationship that at that time, but it was from afar. And, and then I loved my job, like community organizing. It was like being out there, connecting, helping. But at the same time, like all my friends from college, they were like all of a sudden moving to Miami. And I remember connecting with a friend of mine from high school through Facebook. Facebook was up and coming at that moment. So I visited him and and then we had fun that weekend. So I stayed in that moment of enjoyment eh, because I was never about the money. You know, I was never about, I'm here because I'm making good money and so on. I was like, actually my stay in Boston, it it was because I was hitting plateau in Puerto Rico. And I was like, I need to get out of here. I, I need to try something different because I'm, or either I'm going to do something stupid, something ignorant, or I or push myself to something beyond my understanding, but I know that I will grow from that. So I, I decided to move to Boston. And then one thing that I grasped from that experience was uh, how to deal with the community development piece, community development, and the, uh, the combination of stores at the bottom, and, and then residential uh, buildings on top was up and coming. 2005, 2006. So my nonprofit will protect the area of a range of rental control and make it affordable. So local businesses at the bottom, that was the first intention of the system. Local businesses, not Walgreens, not Walmart, not all these like giant stores, right? Gentrification. So I learned how to deal with that. I had some money aside and so on. So I said to my friend whose father was involved in, in commercial spaces and I was like, hey, listen, I have this amount of money. <clears throat> you live in Homestead all the way down south 
almost like four hours away from Key West, one of the very south parts of, of, of Florida, of Miami. And buildings were cheap. So it was going to be easy to find a land, build up, so on, and then develop. It was going to be very easy. But this was beginning or halfway of 2008 where the uh, crash happened. So I moved, we invested, I lost all my money. 2008 was a terrible year for us too. It was really very intense what happened in the United States at that crash in October. It was very bad. Yeah. It was so bad that never in my life, never in my life, and I have no problems in being honest. I'm coming from a very lefty family in Dominican Republic, so we, we were used to share everything. Yeah. Nothing was ours. Like we, we we would have strangers eating at our apartment like any other day because my dad he believed in socialism straight from El Che Guevara. That he was part of that party. So hustle for everything, like work for everything. It wasn't a problem. So I never had the necessity of stealing food. So it was so rock bottom that in some point he was leaving the space and I was like eating bread and water and then these huge ants from Colombia because his wife was Colombian and they used to eat hormigas uh, culonas. It was like a typical plate from Colombia. And they used to sell it in supermarkets and everything. Like, like you were buy peanuts or something like that. Okay. Ants, yeah. So that was protein, pure protein. So I remember that I found one DVD and then these two books, The Secret. Okay, I remember that. Two DVDs, The Secret, What the Bleep Do We Know? Right. Which was a quantum physics DVD explaining that quantum realm. Right. That's, that's energy right there. The Secret, which is the law of attraction. And then this red, shiny red book, uh, The I, She, which will explain to me all the flowing of energies and chakras and all that. So I devoured that. Yeah. I ate it. So I remember reading and falling asleep to prevent hunger. So I remember reading from the Aishi this sort of meditation. It was a, I think it was transcendent meditation for me. So I read that meditation, practiced it and fall asleep. It was like three something in the afternoon. So that seems to take me straight to my sister, which she was in her car crying because she didn't know my status. I, I had like two to three months out of those four, which I was only talking to my mom. Okay. Not to the rest of the family. Okay. Because I didn't want to worry anybody else. And I could hear her thoughts. Like, I hope he's well. I hope my brother is well. Hope he will return, you know, to us without need, the need of proving. Like, I, I heard her thoughts. I was able to listen in to her thoughts. So I started crying so bad that that woke me up. It made me call her right away. And when she picked it up, I only said, hey, don't worry, I'm fine. Wow. But she was. You actually was, saw her sitting in her car crying. And yeah. that's where she was when you reached her. Exactly. Oh, wow. Crying so bad. I was like, listen, I just have this dream. I see you like this. I, you're right here. You have this in, in your hand and so on. She was like, I'm, I'm still there. I'm still here, she said. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so what did you think at that moment? That was, I'm, I'm not going to lie. My dad, when I was 16, he used to go to the Theosophical Society. Okay. He will bring some concepts. Okay. 
but he will talk to us more towards the development of ourselves, being ourselves, being aware and all that. Never about we have an energetic body, like that, that explanation yeah. of the astral, etheric, and so on. Never, right. never like that. But I remember calling him right away because I, I, I had a period, but I didn't want to see my dad. Okay. And he was in that process of going, starting to go to Theosophical Society and all that. So I, I wasn't connecting his action with his new philosophy. So he was kind of changing his ways, but he was still behaving some sort of way, once again, away from what he was teaching me. Yeah. He was, he was trying to teach me to be more loving and so on. And he wasn't acting upon that. So I didn't want to know. About it. Yeah, I understand. You know, so, so kids that I have kids too. And actually they want you to walk your talk okay. and I get it. I mean, thank goodness. They're my best teachers. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so yeah, with that experience, I was like that. If, if, if I return to Puerto Rico, I want you to take me to the Theosophical Society because this, among other things have been happening because there were like a, a sequence of things that that started happening one related to to the masters i'll say it was a master or, or a disciple it was january the first already it was half hour in the new years in what year i'll say 2009 so me and my younger sis we i grew up in a project in puerto rico and we always have it in the heart because the experiences we had there build our character to be strong enough to sustain and and overcome other situations yeah. Down. yeah. So we always made a promise to check back in, you know, regardless of your advancement or if you moved out or whatever, we will check in every 31st, every like check in with your you know, neighbors? With friends, with, your with friends. friends. Yeah, it was a tradition, even though okay. some of them they moved out as well, and we will meet regardless wow. to time. Like it could be a year, six months, whatever. Okay. So we will see each other every first at 1.30 a.m. because it took like half hour to get everybody because he, we used to share with our family first, say Happy New Year's and all that. Okay. Leave to the project and meet everybody. So <clears throat> my car didn't have enough gas. So it was a gas station like three minutes away from the projects, right? Okay. Gas station three minutes away. And I was coming from like, I would say 15 minutes, 20 minutes uh location away from the projects from my sister's place so i stopped by we grabbed some stuff we were putting gas in to the car and my sister sees gentlemen coming in walking all of a sudden at least i had that gas station set like i lived there for more than 10 years so that gas i knew that gas station i knew all the corners i used to scan it first to see who was at the uh, gas station to see if, if it was safe right Okay, because it's not such a safe area. It was a it was a relative like intense area. Okay. <clears throat> so this guy show up to me out of nowhere because to get to the gas station you have to walk a little bit. So I have to see you coming in. It's nothing. It was nothing behind the gas station. There were no alleys, none of that. It was a gas station building next to it, another building next on the other side. So you have to see the person coming from the sidewalk. Okay. And the next street will be like a few, few meters down the road. So I remember checking, getting down, putting the, the pump into yeah, the car. Yeah. And once I was checked in again, 
right? Because we're about to get into the car where, where, and, and it's where things happen. You're getting into your car. Street awareness, street awareness. Yes, we have yes. to have it. We have to yes. have it. I'm not judging anything. I'm just saying we have to be aware. Of course. And I, There's lots of places in the U.S. that are like that. You know what I mean? So it's, yes. it's common. It's common. Yes, yes. So my sister were about to get in the car and, and this guy came in. But I, we didn't realize it because he, he talked. We realized it because he came. But something told us that, that he was there. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like a presence there, right? So when I look at him, it was like this 5'8", five, 5'7", five, old guy. I like would say 60 to 70 years old, right? But looked very energetic. White t-shirt, v-neck, the ones you use under a shirt. He was dressed as a security guard. And intense blue eyes, white okay. hair, white hair. And behind the gas station, but when I say behind, you have to take a side street and then drive to that area. There's an elementary school okay. that we all knew. He was part of the neighborhood. Yeah. So he came and said something like, hey, listen, I know you're close to your home. <laughs> I need a ride. I know, you're getting, I know you're getting closer to where you're going. Okay. You know? But I need to ride home. Uh, I live with the, my daughters and my wife. But because everybody's celebrating, because it was barely and Happy New Year, and I was working, nobody's picking up the phone, or like no one can come up and pick me up. Yeah. On so I was like working at the elementary school as a security guard. So I just need a ride, he said. And I jumped in and was I, I I didn't even like think about it for three seconds I was like come on in man we'll, we'll take you brother we'll take you <laughs> but my sister was mad she was flipping out yeah the the, the gas station was here and then the projects were here we're super close and she just want to get there party let's say basically and connect and all that and I was like listen Erika we have a job to do here we got to take care of this fellow and and he sat there I can't even remember and not because I was drunk or something I can't even remember what what we talked what you talked about we exactly like we we talked I remember him asking about our family saying if everybody was celebrating everybody was happy because we were together I remember those few words okay which stuck in my head because this is a stranger, uh, a random person that we have in the back of our car in the year 2000 in Puerto Rico, a harsh neighborhood. We don't even know if this person is planning something else when we get to the place he asked us to, to drop him off because it was another project, Villa España. It was another project. It was <laughs> an intense area as well. Okay. And it was super close to my sister's place. So it, we were basically going back to where we were. Okay, so, I know, see. So, so and we drove back. We we went away from the project. So wow, it was a sacrifice. Period. It was a sacrifice in the in those terms. So you turn the project. I was like, hey, I'm gonna. Which is the number of your building, so I can drop you off. And he was like, no, 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 no. no. You know how it is. Though they used to shoot up the air, right? Like. Yeah, they used to take guns and, and fire up the air and then... On, on New Year's Eve, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they shoot just to make the noise, but yeah. bullets go up in the air and then fall down. <laughs> and fall down and, and, and kill. Like, that, that's, oh. a real, that's a real study in Puerto Rico. There's a whole campaign. Oh, wow. 
asking not to. But yeah, it's you know, it's a it's a subculture. Gangsters right. will go up and, and celebrate their their life. They haven't got killed throughout the year and all that. Many reasons to celebrate, but the wrong way by right. shooting of the air, right? Right. So he was like, no, drop me off in this corner, and I'm fine. I'll, I'll walk to my building. But I really appreciate your gesture. Please remain blessed. Many blessings, so on, right? Mm. So I remember looking at him saying that, looking at my sister saying, say something. Like, you better say something. Like, I wanted her to be nice. It's hard for me to translate this in English, though. I, I explained these situations in Spanish so many times. But anyways... <laughs> So I look at him, look at my sister, hear the door, like, closing up. So when I look back, nobody was were there. He disappeared. <laughs> and we left, yeah, we left him in a spot that to get to the corner, it, it'll be, it, it will be inevitable for us to see him going away. Like, same situation. And there's no way that he could have disappeared without, I mean, he couldn't have walked away without you not seeing him. Far. While I was looking at my sister, the sound of the door, because he was stepping out, the sound of the door. So basically, Elisa, I did this. The guy, you're my sister, and then the guy, and he was gone. Wow. Okay, so what happened at that moment when you noticed that he disappeared? <laughs> I remember driving back with a huge smile. Yeah. And, and my confirmation was my sister. She drove with the same smile. She saw it. She not even made eye contact with me. She just looked straight all the way back, quiet, but with this sense of joy. Wow. This sense of joy. So in my trip, I was like, if this was an encounter, right? If this was a, a, a step to build relationships, <laughs> to with myself a confirmation of the of, of what i've been re reading in share international and all that i get it i'm there and then i thought something about my sister like thank you for the example to my sister especially like you have to put service around yeah some sort of like priority closer to the heart like whenever you see the opportunity do service to help you know, someone help someone help yeah. someone yeah Yeah. So that stayed with you then, this feeling, yeah, this feeling of... For yeah. day, for day. Yeah. No, no, seriously, for... But the sense of joy. Yeah. The sense of... I was doing my errands pretty chill, happy. I was like, my routine was involved in many things, but love and happiness was always there. And I would say it lasts for a week or so till I have some sort of arguments and so on. But the sensation stayed for a while. And, and, and that captured my attention when I read Benjamin Krem saying that when my Maitreya used to just share the energy of love, that was a, a, a characteristic, like that sense of joy, uh, that sense of, of, of being loved. Wow. So Cosme, you have another story to share with us. Of course. One time I was teaching like 50 kids in a park in an open space for the Department of, of Sports and Recreation. And it was a Saturday morning. Uh, I needed some sort of extra push to, to deal with the family situation. And I was 
enjoying the moment so much that kept me away from that situation in the mind. I was enjoying that moment that when everybody disappeared, right? I was like, split second. I, I went back to a situation and like, imagine a park with a, with a self-created basketball court there with tiles and plastic tiles and everything, everybody left. <clears throat> the festival was going on, but I was in the court, like just picking my materials up and stuff. So I was like, that super vibe of happiness and everything started to went down again because I went back to that situation that I was having, right? So this lady came with a walker yeah. and uh, same features like this strong uh, women that suffer a some sort of stroke. Okay. So that's why she was using the walker. But she said, I used to play basketball since I suffered from a heart stroke uh, and I ended up like this. I always look for these situations to show my skills <laughs> and it will have perfect form but it will miss <laughs> and i was like don't quit now don't quit you have two more shots one more let's do one more like looking for that basket right she, she actually picked up a ball and she was trying to throw it i she was i used my walker but i can still shoot so i she like, let go of the walker, get the ball, and, sh like, perfect form. It's like, you're my idol now. When I grow up, I want to be like you, I remember saying. <laughs> and I, But then she kind of gave, gave me her hand, like, her hand like this, and put her other hand, but the grip was super strong. Okay. And I got these goosebumps, like, like what, what is this? <laughs> like, like, her stretching past something that, that puts me so mellow that I stepped away from the activity and found this bench that used to look at the beach in Puerto Rico. I cannot recall how I ended up in front of the ocean, you know, because let's say, you know, parks right here, you cross the street and you're like in front of the ocean watching all these surfers from a high point. There's a beautiful bench and then you see, we call it the door of all San Juan. And there I had I was eating my sandwich. So there I had an intuition saying, like Sabina, when she was riding her bike and said, oh, that was my trail. I had that, but it wasn't even like, oh, that was my trail. It was just that feeling sensation of meeting someone beyond, you yeah. know, someone yeah. very special. And I started crying and laughing at the same time. You know, you're going to do that. Yeah, I understand, <laughs> yeah. And again, all my thoughts were more towards... Things that I needed to work, but that I wasn't alone. Mm. So it was never this kumbaya situation where I, I will not tap into my process and what I have to, uh, let's say, detach, what I have to enhance, what I have to evolve, right? Because the, <laughs> the other situation, it was always the same. Like if I... When I encounter someone, it was always a space of introspection. Okay. Afterwards. And, and that's how I feel that it's a special connection. That's how I feel that it's something beyond what I experienced, what I can tap, what I can touch, what I can smell. It goes beyond that. That's the, uh, I mean, in my truth, right? In my, through my experiences, I think what I loved about it is that in some of these cases, I was with someone else. Yeah. And regardless to awareness to the teachings, that person perceived the same. And, and that transcends uh, beliefs or whatever level of attachment you have to some of your uh, 
believings once again. And to me, it, they come in a point of like a boost, like a, if you needed that a little push of that little like left, right, or stay straight, it comes at the right moment. Because something in common that I have is that all these experiences, I've been in the middle of a commotion and, and it came at the right moment. Because I see the teachings, an invitation to practice it. Yes. Uh, to me, I'm more aware of how can I practice this or knowing that I'm a teacher, how, how can I put my students to gain self-awareness at a younger age so yeah. they can build relationships with themselves first, then with their surroundings and so on. Like I was always reading the teachings, experiencing beautiful things. I don't know if, you ha if it happens to you, but when I read or when I do some sort of meditation or so on, I experience this stuff. So I always look for an opportunity to practice that, to put it in practice, right? Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all that with us, Cosme. It's really been a pleasure talking with you. Likewise. I just want to end up saying that I, I really appreciated the, the space you created for me to share my experiences, uh, to feel myself uh, vulnerable, And, and through these stories, just to share also love, you know? That's beautiful. So thank you. Thank you for that space. You've been listening to Mystic Takeaway. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. 